Welcome to Pod Me If You Can, I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. And today's film is The Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, just a heads up, we will be speaking about this film in terms of spoilers, so if you haven't seen the film, it's probably a good idea to check it out before listening to the rest of this podcast. Lloyd, um, you hadn't seen the first film, the uh, James Franco, I believe, Rise of the Planet of the Apes? Yep, that's correct. But you checked it out right before seeing Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, that's so right, I finally watched quick, it, yeah. Yeah, let's just get a quick, uh, how'd you think that... Was. I thought Rise of the Planet of the Apes was excellent. I, I thought they did a really good job. I was a fan of the first one, the original, um, with Charlton Heston, <laughs> not the remake by Tim Burton. And uh, um, yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, that movie blew me away so much. The original, I, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. And uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes being a prequel, I was so impressed with how much respect and references they made to the original movie. Like, get your hands off me, you dirty ape! But not only that, there was like. You know, um, you know the scene on the bridge where the men on horses chase after all the apes, and it's yep. a great parallel, obviously, to the first one where Charlton Heston was getting ch- run down by apes and horses. And there was also a brilliant shot. Um, I think it was just in the TV in the background where they were sending a rocket to um, Mars, and I think that was uh, the ship that Charlton Heston was on, and he got lost and took him years to get back, and you know, coming back to the uh, planet that, that that's now full of apes. So I I thought all that was really, really well done. I thought the weakest link in Rise of the Planet of the Apes was James Franco, actually. (laughs) That's a worry, isn't it? Yeah. But um, the CGI was fantastic. Yeah. It's continued in this film. Like, uh, there there were scenes which you'd think were, like, National Geographic. Um, You're just kind of watching all these apes, and they're just, you know, as if a documentary about apes at times was it the um, same actor who who um from dawn of the planet of the apes like everyone's talking so much about him the cgi artist sorry the uh, andy circus yeah andy circus yeah was he in rise of the planet of the apes he was oh, yeah. okay sure yep yeah so um i thought the the other standout performance was Koba, the, yeah. the villain yep. who uh took some really sinister turns during the course of the film and look I, I think the weakest link in this new film for me might have been Gary Oldman. I just think he was just I, extra villain. Yeah, I, there was nothing wrong with Gary Oldman's performance. I think, um, you know, he's always, always good. I think he's one of the best. You know, even though he was sidelined in the Dark Knight, Dark Knight series, he still gave a great performance. In this one, he, I think his character was just not given it a lot of time, but there was that great moment where his iPad comes back to life and he's checking the photographs, and he hasn't yeah. obviously hasn't seen his dead family in a long time. Like, I'm assuming all the people on the photograph are dead, and he just starts yeah. crying. It was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. The trailers made Gary Oldman to be, like, one of the main focal points. Like, he, he was one of the main bad, bad guys. Personally, I didn't think he was a bad guy at all in this movie. Uh, I, I just thought he was, you know, all his reasons were valid when he goes, they're animals. And if you mm-hmm. look at it from Gary Oldman's point of view, exactly what happened leading up to that moment, you know, of course they're animals. They're animals just attacking, taking over the city, just killing everyone, you know, putting him in cages. He had every right to think, okay, if I blow up this tower and kill them all, we might have a chance to win. He wasn't given the whole backstory of Caesar and the trouble with the hierarchies between Caesar and Cobra. I mean, the interesting thing about these movies is that you are on the side of the apes, basically. 
the well, apes. Yeah, well, Rise of the, the Planet of the Apes, I was on the human side until that very moment on the bridge where they were fighting and that gorilla jumps in to save Caesar and he gets shot up by the helicopter and Caesar's holding the gorilla as he's dying. I was like, okay, now I'm on Team Apes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, I think starting the film with the apes is a good choice, seeing their civilization that's grown and, um, you know, that it's set years after the events of apes i think it's 10 winters since they've seen humans yep so at least 10 years um i was worried going in about the 130 minute duration did it fly for you it flew for me yeah uh, i gotta say the same like i got into the film i really enjoyed it and i thought it was a very solid second film yeah uh, in terms of this being like a series like you know, how much of a downer was the ending when you left the cinema i was like oh you know i don't know what to feel humans have lost you know all this has happened <laughs> yeah but how did you feel after star wars episode five i mean yeah. luke's got his hand chopped off vader's his dad you know he's uh it sort of sets up an epic third doesn't it absolutely so i think that's exactly what they've done here and director matt reeves who's also done Cloverfield. Um, I think he's done a really good job starting and finishing on the shot of the ape's eyes. I thought I thought it was a great choice. Absolutely. I thought he w- wouldn't be up to the uh, up to the um, uh, you know standard of the first one. And I thought because I, I remember looking up um, details of the second one before watching go oh the director it's going to be a different director. You know, usually that's uh, a formula for a bad streak that you headed into if the first director originally left, you know. Um, but he did a fantastic job. Well done. Yeah. And I, I think if I'd watched, like after I watched Cloverfield at the movies, I really did enjoy it and want to see that whole group do something else. You know what I mean? Mm. Like creatively. And that's partly because it was like a J.J. Abrams thing as well. Partly because of the whole found footage Every now and then I think they get that right. Yep. Um, I believe we've done Chronicle on this podcast. so And uh, we both checked out this, like, what was that party movie? Oh, yeah. Um, we didn't do it. We, we didn't end up doing a podcast on it, but I think it was Project X, Sonic X. That's the one. Is it Project oh, X? Project X, yeah. yeah. Oh, we awful. We went and watched that, and then we did not decide <laughs> to do a podcast about it. Just... As well, I think part of the reason was that we'd done Chronicle, which, you know, found footage and sort of more to talk about in that podcast. But I really enjoyed Cloverfield and I was really okay with Matt Reeves doing this. And he is signed on for the next apes. Yeah. So, like, he's going to do the third one. Uh, I, just, I just love it how grey, like, it just tackles that grey area. The, I, I didn't feel there was a definitive bad guy and good guy. Although the guy who was you know, messing things around, who, who had the gun in, he was supposed to help with the power and all that stuff. Personally, I didn't think they needed him there. <laughs> you know, he's one of the engineers who was just a wild gun who caused a lot of tension between the apes. Um, yeah, I, I did- Carver. He, um, I know him from Fringe, but I don't know him from anything else. Sure, yeah, I thought he was um, the most, you know, that guy is the bad guy sort of thing. Because even Cobra, you really sympathize with his reasons because he cannot stand... A lot, uh, having an alliance with the humans he just can't face it and there's a great line that Caesar says all he knows is hate from the humans he didn't learn anything else and that's absolutely you know right you know like and th- there is that excellent scene where the son just goes I uh, Caesar wouldn't want this he can't kill 
those humans, the people, and mm-hmm. Cobra just grabs him and throws him off the cliff. Uh, throws him from that uh, sorry that balcony and kills his own son and it was yep. so brutal it was just like wow you know this this guy's a really tormented and scarred person it did escalate really heavily into cgi towards the end but i sort of went along with it mm. you know that whole scene where all the apes are on uh the you know uh, what is it rigging yeah crane or whatever interesting it is. area for a climax <laughs> yeah and the uh, gary oldman's underneath trying to blow up the c4 and stuff like that I went with it. Yeah. I, I suspended belief. And I I, I, really the good. only thing that got me about that scene was how quickly Gary Oldman went for the trigger. Like, how quickly... Yeah. Blew, and I'm like, I, I don't think he would have done that. I think he would have been like, hold on, what are you talking about? What's going on? You realise we're being attacked by apes, right? Mm. You know, I wouldn't have... I didn't believe at all. He just would have went, oh, this is for the human race, and he pulled the trigger. America! <laughs> yeah. That's from... That's a reference from the other guys. <laughs> the... The, um... The thing was, we were supposed to go, right, Gary Oldman's a man on the brink, but I didn't see that no, at all. I thought yeah. he wasn't fleshed out enough. Yeah, like he wasn't said. fleshed out enough, exactly. Yeah, and um, it would have been good and a really good opportunity for Jason Clark, the uh, Australian lead uh, man. It would have been a good opportunity for him to have like a big speech about how the apes are just like us or something, mm. you know, trying to reason with Gary Oldman and then he can't reason with him. Then he blows himself up, you know. Yeah. It was, I don't know, it was um, not as good. Uh, Kerry Russell, female lead, obviously from Felicity, and uh, she was in one of the Mission Impossibles. Probably most people know her from that. She's in the Americans now. I thought um, her whole storyline about being kind of a surrogate mother to uh, Jason Clark's kid was a bit nothing as well. Yeah. Like, that was another sort of weak part of the film for me, where... I mean, she was just sort of a bit part, really. It was a she- brave uh, choice casting those three specifically as the main three for the humans when you have Gary Oldman in the film. Like, you know, they're they're just not stars. You know, like a James Franco or a John Lithgow. Sure. (laughs) Yeah, I I just felt... I I thought they all did a great job. They were fantastic. But I was just like, whoa, who are these guys, you know? (laughs) Yeah, they're not not as well known. Exactly. Um, I did did feel like as soon as we met their family unit, though, that they were all going to live. It felt very kind of... Yeah. You mentioned, like, it kind of covers some grey areas, but I just felt like... Oh uh, yeah, these three will be fine at the end of this film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gary Oldman will be dead, and yeah. it won't matter. Well, the the main emphasis I want to say about the grey area is how you're not you're rooting for both sides at the end. You're rooting for the humans to survive, and you're rooting for the apes to really, you know, you're hoping that Caesar and his family will be okay at the end, and his son. His son had great eyes. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. yeah, that was so so well done. I'm a bit worried for the future of actors, although. A friend of mine who's an upcoming actor, he says, no, I think it's actually a good thing the way they did Planet of the Ace because rather than being in a green screen, you're actually there with, you know, you're just wearing these things on your face. But I, I heard motion capture acting is a very different style to the traditional form of acting that we all know. Well, there's a sort of a push for there to be awards for it as well mm. um, in terms of Andy Circus always doing these roles. He's obviously doing Star Wars as well. Uh, he'll probably be something CGI in that. I yeah. mean, people are assuming he's going to be some kind of alien or Darth Maul kind of Jedi or Sith or whatever. He's, um, you know, he's, he'd be a contender, but I think the guy who played Koba did really well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I didn't like how the humans immediately disobeyed the apes. The fact that the apes go, this is where the humans are, this is where the apes are, apes don't want war, you stay here, human leave, whatever. And then he goes and right up there. And then he goes, I'm going to go talk to him. 
like immediately. But like, it's I, not I a think question. they were just really desperate, though. Like, they, there's no other power source. I know, but yeah. Um, maybe he could have been pushed into that more by Gary Oldman. Then Gary Oldman might have seemed more of a villain. Yeah. But for the leading guy to just go, nah, I'm, I'm going to go talk to him. He'll understand. <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh, come on. Well, I saw that as he saw something in Caesar, a reasoning. Like he he thought, I, I see Sonic in him. I, I feel I could do it. But there's that really ter- terrifying scene where he's walking up, you know, um, the muddy and all the trees are broken down, you know, and he's walking up there and the apes are just slowly surrounding him. And I just mm-hmm. thought, man, they're just going to rip his hands off. And one of the other things about this movie, um, I, I know gorillas and apes and everything are so powerful. Like, they can literally rip your arm out of your sockets easily. And in the battle sequence, like this movie did really well not getting its rating like uh you know an r rating like obviously there's a lot of nudity issues with having those animals that the apes and they hid that really well and also the violence they did a lot of great implicit violence they didn't they could have shown easily how many humans die just from the apes the moment they get up to close combat you know it's all over i, I don't think any human being on earth would stand much of a chance fighting a, a gorilla or an ape in hand-to-hand combat unless you're armed with a really good hand-to-hand weapon um and they did really well well not showing that i thought but they could have gone that extra a little bit there just to touch on the power of the apes let me just digress for one sec you're an mma fan yep (laughs) do you think the future of like uh mixed martial arts fighting or like combat sports or ufc is to have them fight animals Uh, i wouldn't be surprised if there was a place on earth some really wealthy you know king of a third world country is actually doing that i don't think it'll ever happen but we've you know in human history we've always had that you know the man versus the beast the closest we have to it now is the matador um taking on the bull and even that's sort of going out because you know it's people just see it as too brutal of a sport possibly i don't know i I don't think humans would stand much of a chance against a tiger or a lion or a you know (laughs) but surely it would be one of the most fanatical and fascinating exhibitions ever but i don't think it'll ever come around and i personally am an animal lover i I wouldn't want to see it (laughs) that's right and there's too many animal um you know welfare groups for something like that exactly yeah but it wouldn't surprise me if that's going on right now somewhere in the world yeah, and I mean, there's so many films and series seven, for example. Yeah. Um, stuff that portrays what it's like when this kind of stuff goes to reality television lengths. Mm. You know, when there's death involved and stuff. So that's what it would become. It'd be like if a man fought a bear, somebody's going to die, you know. Absolutely. Um, it'd just be, yeah, gore. One of my favorite shots of Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is, uh, I think, a little homage. There are too many triggers to avoid war in this film. And obviously in the trailer they let us know that they do fight. But the way they suspend the fighting for a while... uh, There was a scene where Koba fights Caesar for the first time. He decides to try and, you know, take leadership. Yep. And when Caesar beats him up, I believe they're in the dam or wherever they're trying to get the power source. And when Caesar beats him up, there's a bit where Koba is gasping for air. And it's an aerial shot. And it kind of... uh, the camera pulls up uh and it's as if you know his soul is leaving his body kind of thing or whatever but if that's the best way to describe it it just reminded me of when jared leto gets beaten up in fight club oh yeah and there's that shot of the camera just pulling back as he's like shows his teeth and everything um yeah and i just that's all i could see when i saw that shot of the two of them fighting i thought it was a fight club homage yeah that was a brilliant scene yeah and look showing that sequence where cobra 
goes to get the guns and pretends to like roll and laugh and yeah. like act like an ape. And then that sinister turn where she's like, you know, immediately kind of shooting the humans. Just, yeah, pretty much, I thought as well, showing Cobra turning sinister. Mm. I realized that obviously he was the whole time. He never liked humans. Human work is a great bit of dialogue. He's arguing. But yeah, just, there was no going back after that point, you know. So no. As you say, yeah. Whatever the, um, was good that was in him was beaten out of him by Caesar. <laughs> Correct. And um, he had to have that kind of challenge to see that he couldn't beat Caesar one-on-one. He had to... He used a, you know, a weapon. Yeah. A human weapon. A human weapon, yep. That's a very important point. Yeah, and just... There's a lot of, like, loss of innocence about this. You know, Caesar's um, son deciding which side he wants to be, what kind of ape he wants to be, if you will. Um, A lot of affection for the humans. You know, Caesar obviously shaped by the events of the previous film... He's, um, he's coming into this with a whole different perspective than every other ape. Mm. Every other ape sort of... I mean, they've got that terrible um, relationship with humans. I feel like if we're going to talk about a third film, that you have to kill Caesar off. Oh, yeah. Look, absolutely. It, it'll be before um, Charlton Heston comes, because this is the same world as as the Charlton Heston, the, f- the first Planet of the Apes, I-, I feel it just has to be with all the nods to it in the first movie. So I, I, th- I still believe it's the same universe. And uh, yeah, so obviously apes will have a huge hierarchy. It'll be the end of Caesar and, you know, it'll be more of a, a political tale than a, a struggle of mankind, I feel. Or, it could, or it could be the last battle of man versus apes. Like they could just zero in on that. Did you think uh, Caesar was dead when they sort of fake his death in this a bit? I did. I thought he was dead. <laughs> you, I See, bet I th- you you didn't. Oh, I thought it'd be great if he was dead. That'd oh, okay. be a great <laughs> twist. Like, because they're going to have to do that at some point. But I didn't think they would actually do it. I did keep waiting for him to sort of reappear. Yeah. I, I love this whole series, how well they've handled how the apes take over the world. Like... I just thought, how can the apes win with humans and all their technology? And then it became all about the virus, like how it wipes out a lot of humanity. I'm like, oh, yeah, and that would have been a perfect, you know, opportunity for the apes to rise, sort of as in reference to the title. So they've done really well, like sort of like how I know Mark has gone on about this, how the modern Batmans are really practical takes on who Batman and if he was existing in this world, how he would exist. Like, okay, it's not... A costume. It's actually a bulletproof um, suit he wears. It's a hand glider, his wings, you know, rather than just a cape. And they did the same thing with Planet of the Apes. They made it so practical and believable. How would these apes take over the world, you know? And it's a real realistic approach. That's right. I, yeah. I feel like um, some care was taken in directing this film as well. I've spoken of Matt Reeves already, but there's all these shots that I just enjoyed, like... How they mounted the camera on the tank when they were doing the attack. Oh, that was awesome. <laughs> yeah. And you just, you're in it, aren't you? you this is the way to immerse your audience. Yeah. I, I did think of Donkey Kong when the <laughs> ape threw the barrel, though. <laughs> Do you think that was a intentional? <laughs> Probably was. <laughs> yeah, this, this feels like it requires a second viewing for me. I am... Um, I really enjoyed it, and I and I feel like we're probably going to cover the third one when we get there. Yeah, which one did you like better? 
I think this one. Yeah, um, I, I, I'm going to go with the first one, um, just because of how of how much of a freshing take. Like it started the whole direction. Um, it had so much respect for the first one. I know James Franco said as the weakest link, but I think John Lithgow was amazing as the Alzheimer's victim in in that film. I th- I th- he did a fantastic job and and everything like that. But don't get me wrong, um, this movie is brilliant. The the second one is brilliant. I was pleasantly surprised by the first one as well. Like yeah. I thought it was a great reset. To the I don't know why I avoided it for so long. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that's it. I know. It's like. Um, these, this thing about franchises is when one film ruins them, like, say, the Tim Burton version oh, of Planet of the Apes. Yeah, that was brutal. Like yeah, it took a long time for this series to recover from that film. There were elements I liked of that movie, but, jeez, it's horrible. Like, I thought the apes looked actually pretty good. Like, that puppetry and, and uh, like, specifically, I think it was Tim Holt who played the bad guy. If I, I, could, I could be wrong. I thought he did an amazing job. But Tim Roth? Was oh, it? Tim Roth, sorry. Yeah, Tim Roth. I thought, I th- I'm pretty sure he played the main, ba- main bad guy, and the makeup in his performance was really, really good. But gosh damn, what a horrible movie. It was so bad, it hurt that franchise for a long time. But this is the thing once you have a franchise or like a product, like Terminator's coming back again, you yep. know, the, it's like a never say die thing. The <laughs> Muppets have just returned again, you know? It's yeah. like. Um, I can foresee even if they made terrible Planet of the Apes films, five to ten years goes by, they make another one. It's like a reset. You know what I mean? They're- it's all like a battleship, you know. Still- no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I'd love to see a battleship reboot. It's <laughs> a dangerous one. Well, that was off the board game. It wasn't really a franchise, so to speak. So to speak. <laughs> they and, and they Nin- did the same thing with RoboCop, as you were saying. Ninja Turtles, like Ninja getting Turtles, another yep. reboot. Yep. It's um. Like, I, I wonder if we're going to see, like, a Harry Potter reboot or a, um, what do you call it, Lord of the Rings reboot at some point in our lifetimes. Well, I'm just shocked, uh, like, you know, like, Transformers, it just has such a built-in cult following uh, with the toys and the cartoon series. They, they did really well with the original commercials and stuff like that, and people just wanted to see it, and I think there's the reason there's several of them, how many are there? There are four? Four or five? There's just been a fourth one. Fourth one, okay. And they're making a Mark fifth Wahlberg's one. Mark Wahlberg's one, yep. Yeah, and, uh, you know, they're t- I heard they're terrible movies. I've only seen the first one. I heard they're so terrible, yet people keep watching them because they just have that inbuilt audience. They'll always see it. And I think it's what you were saying with franchises, just like with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, people will go and there's a guaranteed paying audience that will see it. We talked about maybe going and seeing Transformers 4 for the podcast, and... <laughs> I read a Michael Bay quote that was like, you know, people hate it, people think I'm a sellout, whatever, you know, this is, I'm paraphrasing, I'm not exactly sure what he was calling himself, but he said, doesn't matter, people will still see the film. So based on that quote, <laughs> such a middle finger to his audience, I haven't seen the film, I haven't seen Transformers 4, and I have no intention of seeing it until it's out on DVD or something, and I'll borrow it from a video store or on iTunes, and try not to give him the full satisfaction it's made it's made a billion dollars or something the only way i'll watch it is if our podcast listeners really really want us to do it but other than that i'm I'm not gonna bother i I wasn't a fan of the first one i didn't think it was good at all and i'm so shocked there's four of them like i'm like wow really i the uh thing that really got it for me was that the second one was so bad i've seen uh the first three and i haven't seen the fourth one but the second one just frustrated me so much that i was just it lost me a bit as a, as a viewer. Obviously, I tried the third, gave it a shot, but then 
to get this, I have read a couple of reviews about Transformers 4 and it just feels like, I don't know, that it's not going to be something for me. Yeah. At the end of the day. Um, back to Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. I thought it was a nice choice to have them go back to the house from the first film. Yeah, that was awesome. To see a video of James Franco kind of, you know, touch base, you know, sort of for those who hadn't seen the first film even to go oh whoa what's James Franco doing in this you know then they discover that there is another film that sort of stuff if they're not aware uh, to link them like that I feel was a really good choice yeah absolutely and a nice touching scene with the camera and he's in his old playroom yeah and as I said I think in the third one you gotta kill Caesar off you gotta have a new leader it's not gonna be Koba it can be his son it can be whatever wasn't his son in that scene back in that scene in the house wasn't that didn't his son see the photograph of James Franco yeah oh that's really great so the son really understands how much humans meant to his father seemingly yeah I mean we got a lot of subtitles in this film which I thought was a good that was so brave yeah I'm so happy this movie I heard this movie has been really successful in the cinema it's just great a subtitle movie you know if I could say that (laughs) do you think do you think you could watch a whole apes movie just without the subtitles just with them doing like hand motions and occasional speaking I could but I don't think modern audiences will go for it no No, it (laughs) seems like it's one step too far yep there has to be a human element for humans to like it yeah uh look thanks for listening everybody this is uh episode 97 or 8 i think and um we're on our way to episode 100 so uh if you have any questions or things you would like us to talk about in episode 100 you can find us on facebook at facebook.com slash podme if you can the um the next film we're going to cover is lucy luke basson film with uh scarlett johansson uh that's that's next week's episode so if you haven't checked that out and you'd like to hear all about our thoughts on lucy that's probably the next one you should see i thought i would do a quick mention lloyd uh get you to talk about our 50th episode on our youtube channel oh yeah for those of you guys who watched us on youtube watched our uh, nicholas cage week uh that was our the last episode was our 49th we are approaching our 50th and we got big plans a big double episode dave and i will each review a movie and it will star a major action superstar <laughs> well you guys can get excited for that i don't think we should say who it is no, i think either. we should let speculation begin but um they're slightly obscure films uh and that's what we do on the youtube channel is we find obscure films with famous people in them and uh we discuss them so (laughs) if you've if you've seen a film that you thought oh my gosh i can't believe robin williams or somebody was in this film and uh feel free to drop us a line on facebook maybe we'll check out that film for one of our video reviews yeah look dawn of planet of the apes two thumbs up I, i was really thoroughly enjoyed it i i can't you know speak too terribly of it but um a great campaign on the movie poster as well it shows the ape with a handgun oh sorry with a machine gun you know uh, holding it riding the a horse yeah riding on a horse is just fantastic <laughs> personally i preferred the teaser poster i think it was a shot of his face like close up on his eyes with the war yeah, paint that was which much I think more was dramatic the first shot of the film absolutely like i, I think it that was in the trailer as well like right at the end of the trailer they had the zoom out shot I, I personally would go for that. That's something like my style. I would just focus on that. You know, that Rambo sort of look. But the, that, I think the, they went with the right one for the poster. Just to go, people go, oh, that looks kind of cool. 
Yeah, they both they were both pretty cool. But I'd love to see the third film of this. I look forward to it. I'm looking forward to the new Mad Max poster. What they're going to do with that one? Because the trailer oh, looked call. absolutely amazing. <laughs> do you think it'll focus on the car? I've got no idea. That's a really interesting question. They got the original director of the original Mad Max, and for those of you who haven't seen the original Mad Max, it is an Australian film, and it is very good, very influential movie. And then they've got Bane playing the new Mad Max. Yep. So again, talking about franchises, talking about reboots, talking about how things just go on and on. This is this is a, a property that I wasn't sure if we'd see more Mad Maxes, but I guess enough time has passed, you know? Yeah. Franchises. I guess we'll, uh, we'll talk about Lucy and then Lucy 2 and 3 and 4 in the upcoming episodes of Pod Me If You Can. And as always, you can find videos and uh, everything from us at www.podmeifyoucan.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. All the best.